Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. The title of the message in which I'm going to share this morning, and it was Seven Reasons Why Christians Fail to Prosper. And uh, of course, nobody here is interested in prospering, I'm, I'm sure. Who is interested here in prospering? Okay. All right. So let's go through this, and I'm going to share, and then we'll see what the Lord does. But some powerful things I believe are going to happen. But, you know, we are in a time, I've been preaching on vision, revelation. This is a big year. The Lord gave us a word that it's going to be big. And the Lord gave a word to Pastor Rodney about a year of double, you know, a year of double. And so big double, and then and, and, and the B in the double was for big that he was sharing. So um, if we're going to really step into that double, if we're going to really step into that higher level, then we need to understand principles of the Word of God. You know, seek you first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, what does it mean to seek his kingdom? And where is his kingdom? Is it under here? Is it under the chair? Is it around the corner? Where is it? What does it mean to seek God's kingdom? It means to understand the principles of the kingdom of God. You know, God's word gives us the principles of the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of man, the kingdom of man, the spirit of mammon that's in the world. And then there's the kingdom of God. There are two parallel kingdoms. So you're either going to operate by the kingdom of God or you're going to the principles of the kingdom of God. <laughs> this is going to be a big year for us that we need to understand the principles of the kingdom of God. How many of you realize there are principles, right, that by which the kingdom of God operates? So we're either going to operate by the principles of the kingdom of God or we're going to operate by the principles of the world. Many Christians operate by the principles of the world and others kind of operate in a hybrid economy, you know, somewhere, you know, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. It's kind of a mixture. But we have to operate purely on the, on the word of God. And those are the principles of the kingdom of God. So the Lord dro- dropped this message in my spirit. Like I said, I preached it all night in my sleep. It's the craziest thing. It happens sometimes. And you know when you've been preaching a message all night in your sleep, something's about to happen. So let's pray. Open up your hearts to receive. Amen. Father, we just come before you this morning as we go to the word. We thank you. That you bring revelation and understanding of the scriptures to us. Holy Spirit, you are the one that brings the illumination. I ask that you speak to every heart and the entrance of your word brings light. Today we're going to receive the word of God and our lives will be changed in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Seven reasons why Christians fail to prosper. Number one, not being diligent. Not being diligent. You know, I've done this a while now. This is my 26th year in ministry, and it, it never ceases to amaze me how spiritually lethargic, how slothful, how, you know, timid Christians can be. You know, we have to be diligent. We have to be diligent in everything that we do. Diligence is such a powerful principle. You look at the world, people who don't even know God. They're very diligent, and they succeed because they work hard. They're diligent, you know, and, you know, and, and the Bible says the hand of the diligent 
makes rich. So you got to put your hand to the plow. Amen. The Bible says God will bless the work of your hands, not the seed of your pants. Amen. So you have to put your hand to something. Now, what you put your hand to, obviously, that's what I've been speaking about, having that vision, having that, having that heavenly vision. You know, what is God speaking to you? What is God giving you? Being skillful in what you do. You know, being diligent in what God has placed in your hands. And, and, and right now, it might be small. Right now, right now, it might seem very small, very little. But again, there's another principle that comes along with that. He who is faithful, he or she who is faithful with little will be made ruler over much. You know, when you've been, God will always test you in the little things. The secret to success is in the little things. Everybody's waiting for the big breakthrough, but it's the little things every, you have to do every day, diligently, consistently, having that stick to you know, like a bulldog faith, you know, just bite into it and lock onto it. Just lock your jaws on and... You know, and, and just not let go. Having that ten- tenacity to be diligent, you know, in, in, in what God's given you, what God has placed in your hands. You know, it might be something very small, but do it with all your might. Do it unto the Lord. Amen. Do it, with, do it with the right attitude. Do it with a cheerful attitude. You know, do it with a gladness of heart. Do everything unto the Lord. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Verses 9 through 11, this is the Amplified Classic. It says, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to lie down and sleep. So will your poverty come like a robber or one who travels with slowly but surely approaching steps. And you'll want like an armed man making you helpless. So you can see, you know, and, 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 and you might just say, well, I don't sleep all day, but... Think about the time that people end up wasting, the things that we do. Because, I mean, once time is gone, you can't recover it. Now, of course, we know that the Lord says, you know, he will redeem the time and whatever for you. But ultimately, you want to be a good steward of time. You know, when it comes to stewardship, really, honestly, the number one thing that we have to steward well is time. That's even more important than money. You know, because money lost can be regained, but time lost can usually not be regained so you want to be a good steward of time you want to be diligent you need to squeeze every minute out of every day you need to squeeze maximum potential out of every day and and look into things that are taking up your time that produce no fruit you know are you wasting time or are you investing time time you got to invest time it's the it's the it's the it's the law of sowing and reaping right sow sow your time Invest time, you know, learn, always be educating yourself, always be learning, always be growing, constantly, 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 never taking a day off in the sense of, you know, also with your relationship with the Lord. Never take a day off from your relationship with the Lord. You can take a day off from work to rest, but don't take a day off from the Lord. The day you take off might be a day that you regret. So never take a day off with the Lord. Amen. You go on vacation, but don't go on vacation with the Lord. Always have your relationship with the Lord. And be diligent, spiritually diligent, studying the word. Diligent to do what God's placed in your hands to do. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 30 through 34. Proverbs 24, 30 and 34. I went by the field of the lazy man, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And behold... 
It was all grown over with thorns, and needles were covering its face, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I beheld and considered it well. I looked and I received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come as a robber and your want as an armed man. So this is important that you've got to take care of the little things. You've got to take, and, and, and it says a man void of understanding. These are times where we have to have understanding. I always encourage everyone, you know, increase your capacity. This was something I shared at Kingdom Business Fellowship a, a few months ago. You know, also one reason a lot of people fail to prosper and, and, and succeed is there were the four C's. Number one was character. Number two was capacity, you know, capacity. A lot of people don't prosper because they don't have, a, they have a low capacity. What does low capacity mean? You got to increase your capacity. You got to increase your spiritual capacity. You got to increase your mental capacity and you got to increase your skill levels. I think that was great that you touched on that on Thursday, that you, got, you have to become skillful. Even if it's a small thing, you've got to become skillful. You've got to become, you got to become the best at something. Instead of, being, you know, instead of knowing a little bit about everything, focus your attention and become very good at some, some things. But increase your capacity. Increase your capacity. That's very important, increasing your capacity. So... Um, a lot of people also fail to prosper and succeed because of having a low capacity. So learn new skills. Always be learning. Never think that, well, you know, I'm just kind of, this is the way I am and this is kind of how it is. No, there's a lot more to it and God wants to do a lot more in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How to maintain your value. I talked about capacity. The third one is courage. You need courage. Amen. You need courage. That's what faith is. Stepping out of the boat. Stepping out of your comfort zone. Having courage to, to get into new things. Having courage to tackle new things. Having courage to get out there. And having courage to um, going into the unknown where no man has gone before. You know. Think about the, the explorers that went when no one has, has ever... That, that took a lot of courage, you know, but they opened up whole new realms. So think about this. I mean, th there's always new realms opening up. And we need to be ahead of the curve. We need to be one step ahead of the world because we got the Holy Ghost. We got the boldness of the Holy Ghost. He gives us understanding and we need to be willing to step out there and, and learn new things and do new things and conquer things. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there are things that are going to be invented this year. They're going to be things that could be invented last, uh, next year. There were things that were invented last year. Why not you? Why can't God use you? You know, you can go to bed one night and have a dream. God could give, drop a, an, an idea, a strategy, a divine strategy in your spirit that you can take a hold of it and you can run with it. And God can use you mightily. Amen. I read somewhere that about 100 years ago, the United States Patent Office, the director of the United States Patent Office, about 100 years ago, a little more than 100 years ago, actually, probably at the turn of the previous century, he sent out a letter and a memo to all the field offices of the patent offices. They said, do not take any more patent applications. Everything that will be invented has already been invented. 
What an idiot. Can, how, how, can you get any more short-sighted than that? Can you get any more narrow-minded than that? You know, everything has already been invented. Wow. You know, there are so many things that have not even been invented. And God's going to use you. God, God can use, he needs to use the church. And what happens is we need to gain, gain understanding. We need to get understanding. Hallelujah. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13. Courage. While you find that one, the fourth is culture. You've got to develop the right culture. A culture of success, a culture of hunger, a culture of growth. You know, that's one of the things we talk about culture here a lot. One of the things that I've been speaking from day one when we came to West Palm Beach. We said, we're here to change the culture. We're here to change the culture of the church because there had been a certain culture that had been established in the greater church, especially in this area. We came here to change the culture. The culture was a one-hour dry cleaning service, coffee, donuts, go in, have your ears tickled, and people were just used to that. And then they came here, and they'd be looking at their watch 50 minutes into the service, and we're still worshiping. And they're wondering, they asked the ushers, you know, uh, service, uh, service lasts an hour at my church. Well, this ain't your church. <laughs> we had to create a culture, a culture for the anointing, culture for the word, cu- culture for the freedom of the Holy Ghost moving in this place, a culture of waiting on the Lord, not rushing through things, a culture of revival, you know. It's not about American culture, European culture, African culture, Turkish culture. It's about a culture of the kingdom of God, valuing the things of the kingdom of God. Our culture must be established around those things, around the values of the kingdom of God. So we've got to establish a right culture. You've got to establish a culture in your life, a culture of growth, a culture of hunger, a culture of thirst, a culture of always growing and learning and never being satisfied. So culture is very, very important. Brand identity. I mean, we have a brand here, and we're not going to change our brand. You know, we're not going to change our, we, we are who we are. Amen. We don't have long services just for the sake of having long services. I mean, we just flow. The meeting's over when it's over. When is that? I don't know. And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea or cup of coffee. And people, you know, not everybody's going to fit into this church. And that's fine. Because our culture is different. They either fit into the culture or we're going to have to change our culture to become like every, everybody else. Then what, what makes us different? What makes us unique? There has to be a uniqueness. There has to be a, a difference. This is a church with a difference. We are different. We are different. Because our culture is about the fire of God. Our culture is about the Holy Ghost. He sets the, he sets the uh, atmosphere. You know? He's the one that dictates what happens. And he had me preach this message all night long. In my sleep. Crazy. So I didn't have some sermon writer write my sermon. I wasn't standing before a mirror practicing my eloquence of speech all week long. Memorize. I'm not reading from a teleprompter. There are preachers that actually read from a teleprompter. And there's an X. They literally will put an X marks the spot. And they have to stand there. And then five minutes into it, they get a cue. And they move over here to the X. And the light changes. And smoke comes out. And then they I'm, I kid you not. I kid you not. I mean, I, I am sorry. That, that is like bondage to me. Shh. 
please give me a gun. I'm going to shoot myself in the head. Put me out of my own misery. If I ever have to be a prisoner of some cues and lighting cues and smoke and, and, and some teleprompter. Are you kidding me? Thank God for the freedom and the Holy Ghost. And I'll go on like 15 tangents in my message. I'm off script right now already. <laughs> Hallelujah. Culture. Everyone say culture. And you've got to create a culture in your life. You've got to have a brand identity. You've got to know who you are in Christ. You've got to know what God's called you to do. You've got to have that vision. That vision that comes from heaven is your culture. That's your identity. Because if you don't know who you are and what you've been called to do, if you don't have an identity that you can be, you'll be tossed to and fro with every wind that comes about you, every circumstance that comes. And, and that cannot happen. You've got to be, you've got to be, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be stable. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13. Again, love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with bread. Open your eyes. You know, to me that's important. God wants to open the eyes of our understanding. Because there are things he wants to show us. There are things that the spirit of God wants to reveal to us. And I tell you what, when you open your eyes, God is going to show you things. That's, that's where your provision is going to come from. You shall be satisfied with bread. Open your eyes and do not miss on the opportunities that God places before you. My prayer every day, Lord, whatever opportunities placed before me, please, I want to have eyes to see and ears to hear. I don't want to miss out on what you're placing in front of me. Even today, this day, this week, this month, I don't want to miss out on the opportunity. You'd be surprised how many people miss out on opportunities because of whether it's a preconceived idea or they just can't see it. But open my eyes, Lord, that I may see the opportunity before me. Amen. Can you pray that every day? Can you pray that prayer every day? Every day you wake up. Lord, I rise to a new day. Your mercies are new every morning. And open my eyes to see what you have placed before me today. I don't want to miss out on an opportunity. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we're all busy, but it's not about being busy. It's about being effective. It's about being fruitful. Jesus didn't say, you know, the Father will be glorified by you being very busy. He said, the Father will be glorified by you bearing fruit. And you have to, you have to take an inventory of your life. You have to look at the things. You could be very busy, but very ineffective, very fruitless. So cut, cut out the, the, the extra weight. Trim Trim, trim certain things this year. I sense that there are things that, you know, that need to be trimmed and cut out of people's lives so that they can be more focused on what God has actually placed before them. Because I see people all the time. They're running here. They're running there. They're running all over the place. And, like, and, and I can see they're just always, it's like grasping air. And, and they just, they don't know where they're going. You've got to have vision. You've got to be focused you got to know what God has for you. And this is something you got to press in for. you got to pray and ask the Lord to open your eyes so that you can see. Is this helping anybody here today? Amen. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. If your goals and targets are soft, they will always be moved with every obstacle. It's sometimes shocking to see how the smallest things take people out. You know, we, we've been reading from Habakkuk chapter 2. 
write the vision. Actually, the Hebrew says, carve the vision on stone tablets. That's significant because you got to make it permanent. It's got to be fixed. It can't be some soft target. If it's a soft target, if it's a soft goal, if it's a soft vision, it'll always be moved. It's got to be fixed. It's written. It's carved in stone. It's etched in my heart. It's burnt into my spirit. I can never get away from it. In my rising up, in my lying down, it's burning in my bones. I know who I am. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm called to do. And it's burning on the inside of me. And I'm not going to let anything distract me from the main thing. The main thing is going to be the main thing. Is that making any sense? Make sure that, make sure that it, it is fixed. It is carved into stone. It's not some soft target that can just be constantly moved. Well, I didn't get to it. I'll, I'll get to it next year. Maybe five years from now, I'll finally do something. Do it today. Rise up today and make a decision to do it. They asked Lester Summerall the secret of his success in ministry. He's gone home to be with the Lord. He was a great general of the faith, an apostle. And, um, you know, he died in the late 90s and had about seven years of full-time ministry. Shook Philippines, shook Brazil, established Christian radio. A lot, just a lot of amazing things. I mean... People still study. I mean, his books on demonology are still the best. We study them in our Bible school, you know. And um, they asked him, what is the secret of your success? All these 70 years of ministry. He said, oh, it's simple. Every morning I got up and I went. You know, just get up and go. Get up and go. Get up and do something. Get up. Get up and make your day valuable. Put, invest, sow into your life. Make sure that, you know, I mean, I... I don't, I don't even understand people sit all day long in front of soap operas or some other thing. And then, and, 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 uh, well, I'm watching this series, 30-part uh, series. And my God, you're not going to make any money watching a 30-part series on, on anything. I mean, on some soap opera or some TV a rerun of Friends. I don't know, whatever. That struck a nerve or something. Oh, my God. But, Pastor, I love watching as the stomach turns. <laughs> Cut that stuff out of your life. Invest time. Go educate yourself. If you're going to watch anything, go watch educational things. Learn. Learn investing, learn business, learn finance, learn how to eat right. Learn the things they should have taught us in school and should have taught you in school, but they didn't. On purpose, so that you just become a part of the system. Break out of the system. Develop the mindset. Allow the Lord to change the way you think, change the way you see things. Amen. Be diligent. Hallelujah. Second reason why Christians fail to prosper. This is another thing I've seen. Hastening to be rich. What does that mean? Look at Proverbs 28, 22. He who has an evil and covetous eye hastens to be rich and knows not that want will come upon him. 
So what does that mean? There are no get-rich-quick schemes. There is no get-rich-quick scheme in God. It's about proving your faithfulness over time. It's stewardship. And then the Lord just blessing you and the blessing of the Lord making you rich. But then the blessing of the Lord, there's a price to pay for the blessing of the Lord. You got to prove yourself to the Lord. And you got to be faithful. You got to be consistent. You got to obey his word. You got to take his word and you got to apply it in your life. And some things take time. Some things take time. And so there are no get-rich-quick schemes. So, and, and, and in the name of prosperity, I've seen a lot of Christians also get caught up in things that, you know, they just expect quick results. Like there's some kind of a magic wand. They're going to wave and psh, all of a sudden there's going to be all this wealth. Doesn't happen that way. Easy come, easy go. You got to build something. You got to build it on a foundation. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. But if anyone teaches otherwise and does not assent to the sound and wholesome doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine or teaching which is in agreement with godliness, he's puffed up with pride and stupefied with conceit. Although he is woefully ignorant, he has a morbid fondness for controversy and disputes and strife about words which result in producing envy and jealousy, quarrels and dissension, abuse and insults and slander and base suspicion. Some people will just argue. They think their whole purpose in life is to argue. There's people out there who actually believe that their calling is to criticize ministries. I had people in Turkey, they dedicated their life to criticize my ministry. They'd watch the services every Sunday to dissect the messages and, and then post next day on their website why I'm a false teacher, false prophet, false this, false that. And they, they have their self-appointed watchdogs of the church. That's why they always bark. And some of them are meaner than a junkyard dog. So get away from people that all they want to do is argue, dispute, and, 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 and full of pride, never learning, and want to always just keep uh, putting doubt in you. Separate yourself from people like that. And pro protracted wrangling and wearing discussions, perpetual friction among men who are corrupted in mind and bereft of the truth, who imagine that godliness or righteousness is a source of profit, a money-making business, a means of livelihood from such withdrawal. And of course, there's people, unfortunately, that merchandise the anointing. And they talk about prosperity, but they're the only ones ever prospering. Because they fleece the flock all the time. You know. I'm here interested in everybody prospering. I want to see everyone prosper. I want to see everyone succeed. It's not about my success because the way it works is your success is my success. If I'm the only one that's succeeding but everybody else is failing, then I haven't done my job. You're not here for me. I'm here for you. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ. So you are here to be edified, but you got to be the saints, not the ain'ts. The difference between the saints and the ain'ts, the ain'ts ain't here you ain't never seen him saints are the ones that are here 
They're consecrated. They're set apart. They're they're plugged into the things of God. Amen. So you can only disciple saints. Sheep, not goats. Amen. Or should I say amen? You know, goats, but. They're always, whatever you tell them, but, but, but. Sheep say amen. So let all the sheep say amen. All right. You did pretty good there. You sound like. And it is indeed a source of immense profit for godliness, accompanied with contentment. That contentment, which is a sense of inward sufficiency, is great and abundant gain. So what is that inward sufficiency? It, it's what the Lord has given you. You know that you have a calling. You know that God has placed a vision in you. And you know that you're going to have to carry that thing. And you know that it's going to take some time for it to come to fulfillment. Amen. And you carry that with you. And you are patient. And you wait on the Lord. And you are content with the fact that you are in the will of God. There's a lot of people that are very discontent. A lot of Christians are very discontent. They're very unstable in their ways. They're like spiritual grasshoppers. They jump from church to church to church, conference to conference. They run from prophet to prophetess to Facebook prophetess. And they're always looking for a word. They're always looking for some quick fix. And there's no quick fix. You've got to get planted somewhere and, and allow and go through the process. Allow the Word and the Holy Ghost to do a work in you and be planted. You know, be planted. Hallelujah. And there's a season for everything. My wife was telling me, you know, she's unhappy about one of the trees in our garden that doesn't get enough sunlight, so it's not really growing. And I said, so why don't we just move it over to to the other area where there's sunlight. She says, no, you can't just uproot it and plant it over there. It'll die. Oh, that'll preach right there. I mean, you know. It's not time, and it's just, you know. And it's, it's she said, it's grown too much now that you can't really replant it at this time. So, and so... And that's something, and I don't understand why people, a year, two, three, they're in a church, and boom, they get up and move to another place, start over again. Another year, another two, and another church, and then boom, they get up, they go somewhere, start over again. You know, there's got to be that place where you get planted and allow, allow the growth to come forth. Because that's where the fruit comes. Amen. Now, if the Lord moves you, that's fine. And that means it's in the right time, the right season, and the Lord's hand is on it. There's a reason behind it. But a lot of times it's just people are restless. They're restless. Always looking for a quick fix. There's also no quick fix in prospering. Avoid get-rich-quick schemes. Watch out for get-rich-quick promises and attitudes. Build on a solid foundation. Work hard. Amen. I've seen people, they come into business, and they quit after, you know, one or two obstacles. Or they start a business. You know, I think, I, I can't remember what the numbers are, but the, you know, with the amount of small businesses, what percentage of small businesses in America, they fail like within the first year. It's, it's pretty high. 
It's like 40% or something. You know, you got to have a good plan. You got to have a good business plan. And you got to know what you're doing. And you got to have a stick to itiveness. You know, stick to it. Your breakthrough will surely come. I've been taught by my pastor to pray this prayer lift your hands. Lift your hands to the Lord. They're like, I don't know if I should lift my hands because I don't know what the prayer is. <laughs> it's a good prayer. Trust me. Let God set the level of my prosperity. Yeah, it's a good prayer. You know what that means? It depends on what you can handle. What is, what is it God setting the level of your prosperity? That means, listen, that you may prosper in all things even as your soul prospers. If you're not prospering in your soul, that means the way your mind, your will, your emotions, your spirit, then all the financial prosperity will not be able to benefit you. So there's got to be, there are certain levels, you know, because if you have a vision from God and the provision comes in, you know exactly what to do with it. But if you don't have a vision, why should God give the provision? You know. I mean, you put a million dollars in some people's hands and you'll never see them in church again. Ever. You put a million dollars in my hands, it won't be enough for the vision. But I don't know exactly what to do with it. Because I already have a plan. I already have things that we're planning on and praying for. And, and the provision is there because we have a plan. So you've got to have a plan. And so you've got to work through the seasons of life. You know, not every season is going to be on the mountaintop. Even though everybody would love to live on the mountaintop. Sometimes you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Anybody ever passed through the valley of the shadow of death? But you were with me. You were with me. You're the God in the valley just as much as you're the God in the mountaintop. There are seasons of growth and exponential acceleration, and then there are seasons of trimming. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm speaking realistically. We would want it to be constantly, constantly on the up and up. But sometimes, see, we don't see it. We think we've taken a step back, but we haven't. We've actually repositioned. Come on, somebody. Sometimes there's a pruning time. It's a part of the preparation. I know some prosperity preachers will never tell you that. It's got to be always on the up and up. It's not always on the up and up. You'll go through adversity. I, I'd rather have somebody, I'd rather work with somebody who's gone through adversity and overcome it than someone who's never gone through any adversity. And I don't want to listen to these preachers that tell you, like, they never, I mean, they don't sweat, they don't poop. I mean, it's literally like everything's perfect in their life. No, 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 no. I preach faith. You need faith to overcome. If you don't have any battles, what are you going to overcome? 
by faith we overcome the world. Well, everybody wants to live in victory, but that means to have victory, you're going to have to go through some battles. You're going to have to face some giants. You're going to face Goliath, but you will take him out. You will take out Goliath. You're not going to get a free run up the side. The devil doesn't want you to prosper. He's going to dangle the carrot before you for a quick and easy fix. I've seen many people take the quick and easy way out. They'll look for the position. They'll look for the promotion of man. And they'll jump into things that they're not ready for. Because they just rush the process. But they fall flat on their face. So we have a saying around here. I know the Bible school students hear it all the time. Times of preparation are never wasted times. When you're in a time of preparation, embrace it. Embrace the preparation. Understand the, the time and the season you're in, that it's a time of preparation. The Lord is preparing you. Do not circumvent the preparation. Amen. Embrace the time of preparation. My God, this is going over really well this morning. Is this helping anybody here today? All right. So number one was why Christians fail to prosper seven reasons. Number one, not being diligent. Number two, hastening to be rich. Number three, following vain persons. Oh my. Proverbs 28, 19. He who cultivates his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless people and pursuits will have poverty enough. King James says vain persons, amplifies as worthless people and pursuits. What does that mean? They listen to the wrong people who talk them out of their blessing. They listen to vision stealers, joy killers. They listen to the wrong people. Who do you listen to? Listen to people who've gone further than you have. And have accomplished more than you have. Listen to people that actually bear fruit in their lives. You go where you sow. Listen to the people who are where you want to be. Let them speak into your life. Don't let some bozo speak into your life. Don't let prophetess bucket mouth on Facebook speak into your life. Don't let brother doodad speak into your life. Don't let uncle Jack speak into your life. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more. Who is speaking into your life? Surround your, yourself. Don't isolate yourself. Surround yourself with people that are full of faith and fire and vision and passion. They're going to challenge you. Iron sharpens iron. They're going to speak into your life. They're going to stir you up. Amen. Just when you thought you've arrived, you get around somebody like, oh man, I had done nothing. What am I, chopped liver? But no, it challenges you. Get around people that have faith. Get around people that are anointed. Anointing cannot be taught. It must be caught. It comes by association. Bad company corrupts good manners. Get around people that have vision. Get around people that are hungry for God. Get around people that speak faith. Get away from people that speak doubt and unbelief and are constantly negative. Get around people that are positive. Get around people that have vision. Get around people that want to do something in their life. Get around people that want to accomplish something. Get around people that want to be fruitful for the kingdom. 
Don't follow these vain people. They're, they're everywhere. And Goliath had five brothers. And they'll shout at you, trying to intimidate you. And they'll try to put you in your place. Who do you think you are? Don't you know where you come from? We know your daddy. You don't have a Harvard education. You don't have this. You don't have that. I have a call from heaven. I've got the anointing. I got the fire of the Holy Ghost in my belly. I'm rising up. I'm rising to the challenge. I'm a warrior. Hallelujah. I have the spirit of faith. I have an unstoppable God living on the inside of me. I serve a mighty God. I have a big God. I'm believing God for big things. You're not going to talk me out of them. And I'm not taking your worthless advice. If you send me a letter, I'll flush it. If you send me an email, I'll send it to the trash. And it's my pleasure to hear that trash sound. Not listening to you. I'm listening to the Holy Ghost. I'm listening to people full of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So number four reason why people, Christians fail to prosper is they follow vain persons. They follow vain pursuits. It could be also a vain pursuit. They, they're pursuing the wrong thing. Pursuing the wrong people, pursuing the wrong Wrong thing, wrong career, wrong this, wrong that. They're pursuing the wrong thing. Make sure that you are pursuing the right thing. Amen. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And he's a man full of visions and revelations. That's who I want to follow. A man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I want to follow a man who went to third heaven. Came back with visions and revelations that are not even in the power of humans to understand and comprehend. That's what I want to. I want to follow somebody that's full of the anointing. I want to follow somebody that hears from God. And in order to follow that person, I'm going to have to hear from God. Because if I don't hear from God, I'll be left behind. Amen. So follow the voice of the Lord. And if you can't hear the voice of the Lord, then get around people who know how to hear the voice of God. You know, young Christians, they... A lot of times, I mean, they, they're still learning how to hear the voice of God. You know, and then they come up with the craziest revelations. <laughs> they need somebody to speak into their life. Don't be so proud that no one can speak into your life. Make sure that there are people that speak into your life. They are mature in the Lord. Amen. They carry the anointing. Make sure that you are undercover, that you have pastors over you, that watch over your souls. That's our job. We are the shepherds that watch over your souls. <laughs> you know, but I can only help people that want to listen. And many times I've sat across people 
literally begging them to listen. And they wouldn't. They went and did their own thing. And people that listen, they do well. And that leads me to number four. The fourth reason why Christians fail to prosper is because they refuse instruction. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame come to him who refuses instruction and correction, but he who heeds reproof is honored. We read Habakkuk chapter 2. Remember, I will stand on my watch, look to see what he will say to me to correct me. See, God's vision always comes with correction of attitudes, beliefs, direction, targets, goals. Amen? So receive Receive the instruction of the Lord. If you follow my word, if you obey my word, my commandments, my statutes, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Amen. So there are people that refuse instruction. So make sure that you receive instruction. Make sure, make sure you receive instruction first and foremost from the word of God. Make sure you receive instruction, husbands, from your wives, wives from your husbands. Amen. Speak to one another. Make sure you receive instruction in church. Make, you, make sure you receive instruction from the Holy Ghost. Because what happens? You will be honored. Because when you honor God's word, God will honor you. Because he's exalted his word above his name. His name is only as good as his word. And he is faithful to keep his word. Always, always, and always. Whatever he promised, he will do. People say all the time, well, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. No, he doesn't. He moves exactly according to his word. He does exactly what he said he would do. There's no mystery to it. Open the book and read it. It's there. Whatever he said he will do is exactly what he will do. There's no mystery to this thing. This is not some esoteric religion we're a part of. Where only the high and mighty, enlightened, illuminated ones have the secret knowledge. Everyone has access to the secret deep things of God. You pray in tongues, you speak mysteries unto God and they'll be revealed to you. All these things are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We have not received the spirit of bondage. We received the spirit of sonship. We received the spirit of revelation. We received the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to us. He leads us and he guides us. Every single one, every single one has the anointing. You have an unction and anointing from the Holy One. You know all things. All things pertaining to your life. Now that doesn't mean all things pertaining to everyone's life. You don't know everything about everybody. But you know what? You will know exactly what God has for you. He will never leave you in the dark. And he will never move in some mysterious way. He'll speak to you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll reveal to you his plan and purpose. But he will ask you to cooperate with it. Working together with him. See, that's where obedience comes. That's where trust comes. And then you trust him and you obey him. And he leads you and you follow him. Amen. He's the good shepherd. He leads you. He guides you. He leads you by still waters. He makes you to lie down in green pastures. He furnishes a table for you in the presence of your enemies. He has your best interest at heart. He always, he has plans to prosper you. 
to give you hope in the future. And his plans are higher than our plans. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So whatever you're thinking, whatever you're planning is too small. He's got a bigger one for you. Much bigger. So come up higher. Come up higher. He will instruct you. He will show you. He will guide you. He will give you understanding. He will give you wisdom. Hallelujah. Is this helping anybody here today? Wonderful. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. The fifth reason why Christians don't fail to prosper is lack of discipline. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 21 says, For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Now, the word drunkard or glutton really means someone who does not have restraints or boundaries, someone that's undisciplined. Because ultimately, what is that? Being drunkard or being glutton, that means not having discipline. Another translation says loose morals. Another translation says loose living. Another translation says undisciplined or unbridled tongue. Another translation or another meaning would mean loose mouth behavior or life. That means you need structure in your life. You need structure in your life. You need boundaries in your life. You need discipline in your life. Discipline is important. Boundaries are important. Keep things tight. Have restraint on your life. Have restraint on your tongue. Have, have accountability in your life. Have others help you to have restraint. Have discipline. We are living in a time where people are very undisciplined. Very undisciplined. They don't honor. They don't respect. They're loose with their mouth. They're loose with their morals. We're living in the time of social media where anybody can chime in on something. People just vomit whatever they want. And then they just think they're free to say whatever they want to say. But every idle word brings judgment. Hold your tongue. Speak wisely. Speak faith. Don't speak what you feel. Put boundaries on your flesh. Put boundaries on your feelings. Don't be led by feelings. Be led by faith. Be led by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Don't be a yo-yo Christian. Up and down and up and down and up and down. If the sun is shining, they're happy. If there's raining, they're unhappy. Wake up in the morning and some little thing takes them out. And the whole day is miserable. Shake it off. Put it under your feet. I'm not going to let this thing stop me. I'm not going to let this thing affect my attitude today. I have a purpose. This thing is just a distraction. It's a mosquito buzzing around my head. And I'm smash that thing. I'm moving. I've got a plan today. I've got, I'm getting things done today. I'm not going to let this attitude, I'm not going to let this news, I'm not going to let this feeling stop me today. I'm not going to wallow in depression. I'm not going to wallow in negativity. I'm rising up out of this and I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to move on. I'm going to march on. I'm going to battle. Look at what happened to David. When kings were supposed to go to war, he stayed home. Little slumber, little sleep. And then, oh, that Bathsheba is looking mighty fine there on the rooftop. 
Go to war. Go to battle. Have goals. Have vision. Go out to conquer. Conquer your fears. Conquer your fears. Anybody here have any fears? Come on, be honest. Let me see. What, what, whatever you fear, you got to conquer it. If you're afraid of heights, go up to the highest place and look down until you conquer it. I don't know what, it, what your fear is, but you got to do it afraid. Don't let fear stop you. Courage and boldness is not the absence of fear. Courage and boldness is the empowerment to overcome fear and just to go out and then just do it. Just go do it. Conquer your fears. Don't let your fears stop you. There are many here. They've allowed the fears to stop them. They've allowed other people's opinions of them to stop them. That have allowed circumstances to stop them. No more. You're marching on. Doesn't matter where you come from. I don't care what your daddy has done or hasn't done. I got a generational curse on me. <laughs> How long are you going to use that excuse? Break it in the name of Jesus and move on. Everything's a generational curse. Got a flat tire. It's got to be a generational curse. The flat tire demon. Go cast it out. No, you just run over a, a, a screw and, or nail. Just go have it plugged. But maybe they have to have something else plugged. Their ears probably need to get plugged. They've been hearing too much garbage. Some charismaniac preacher. Everything's a generational curse. Are you in Christ? You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. You're part of a new genealogy. You're a new creature in Christ. Every generational curse is broken. You're no longer, you are no longer to associate with the past or anything of the flesh. You are a spirit man. Amen. And you are blessed. You're blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. Everything you put your hand to is blessed. God will open to you his good treasure and pour you out a surplus of prosperity. Come on, somebody. No more of these generational curses. I don't want to hear about them. And stop going to these counselors that keep telling you everything's some generational curse, and this and that, and what they did to you, and all they want to talk about is what was done to you. Move on. At some point, you got to say, enough is enough. I'm done with the past. Come on, somebody. Am I telling the truth right now? I'm so tired of hearing this stuff. I've counseled people three, four, five years. I keep hearing the same thing. I can't because of this. That's what they did to me. And this is what happened to me. And I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. Get on the right side. Cross over. Cross over Jordan. Come out of the land of wilderness Get into the promised land. God has a plan for you. There is a land overflowing with milk and honey awaiting you. 
cross over Jordan. Come on. How long are you going to walk around the wilderness? How long are you going to go around the same mountain? 40 years is a long time. Cross over Jordan. You can't change it the past. Whatever is done is done. But you know what? You can certainly change your future. You don't have to let your past dictate to you what your future is going to be. I don't know what to say. My daddy locked me in the freezer and half of my brain froze. Let me put some fire on you. Unfreeze that brain right now in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Come on. You got a new daddy now. You got a new daddy. You got a new daddy. He loves you. He's for you, not against you. He has blessed you. He has plans to prosper you. Good news, I tell you this morning. Good news. Your daddy is rich. I mean, he is super rich, crazy rich. <laughs> I knew we'd get somewhere sometime this, this morning. <laughs> a disciplined life, a focused life. Not tossed to and fro with every opinion and teaching and circumstances and every news, but focused, disciplined, diligent. Hallelujah. The sixth reason why Christians fail to prosper is sin. Proverbs 28, 13, he who covers or hides his transgressions or sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes his sins will obtain mercy. So covering, covering up sin is being not repentant. So some people are just sorry they got caught. They're not really sorry. But there is that godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And sometimes people have to go through that. There have been people that I wanted to help. The Lord said, don't help them. So what? Don't help them. Leave them. Leave them because they're going through this time. They're not, they're not ready. They won't even receive it. You won't be able to help them. They don't want to change. Because the pain is not enough. When the pain of staying the same is greater then the pain of change, then they'll finally change. The things you just, you cannot become an enabler for people. Stop being an enabler, especially some mommies and daddies. I mean, you, you, you're hurting your children. Leave them in the hands of God. I know it's going to be painful to see them suffer sometimes, but they finally have to maybe go and eat some pig slop before they come to their senses. I got to tell you the truth. Give them their inheritance, let them run and waste it and end up with the pigs. And then they'll come to their senses. So, <laughs> somebody going to testify. I've been there with the pigs. I've been there with the hogs. 
So some people have to come to that place where they realize, you know what, I, I can't live like this anymore. And, and I think many of us have been there. That's probably why we're here today. Who's been there? I, I can't live like this anymore. There's got to be something more. I can't keep going around the same mountain. I can't keep going around the same circle. Anymore. Something has to change. And so that's the key. You've got to at some point make a decision to change. And the Lord will help you. The Lord will help you. There's grace to change. That's actually the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace is not to cover up sin, which is what they're preaching. The whole hyper-grace thing is just, you know, stay as you are, God's grace covers you. No, 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 no. That's not grace. That's not grace. God's grace is the power to overcome sin, to expose it and to destroy its dominion over you. And so that's another important thing, to overcome. And seventh and final reason why Christians fail to prosper is not being generous, being stingy. Not tithing. Oh, yes. Proverbs eleven twenty four. There are those who generously scatter abroad and yet increase more. There are those who withhold more than is fitting or what is justly due, but it results only in want. So not being generous will cause poverty. Not giving, not tithing, not trusting the Lord with your finances, not putting God first in your finances, the first fruits, the tithe. That belongs to the Lord. It says withholding that which is justly due. The tithe, which is the first 10% of your, all your income, is the Lord's portion. It belongs to the Lord. So it's not yours to keep. It's not yours to eat. It's not yours to do anything with. It is the Lord's portion. It belongs to Him. And you have to honor Him. Look at Malachi chapter 6. Verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me. That sounds like repentance, right? Coming back to the Lord. I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Then he asks a question, which is the book of Malachi. God asking his people many, many questions. You know, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. And verse 9 is a scary verse, but it's there. As scary as it is, it's there. I'm going to read it. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, which is the only place in the Bible where God says we can test him. Otherwise, you're not to test the Lord, but you can test him in this. Saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Everybody wants the blessing. Who wants the blessing that doesn't have room enough to receive it? But you got to do your part. And look at what happens. Look at what happens. Verse, I love verse 11. This is spiritual warfare. You don't have to be binding the devil off of your finances. The Lord will take care of that for you. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He shall not destroy the fruits, fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So this is a matter of trust, the tithe. 
the 10%, not the middle 10%, not the last 10%, but the first 10%. The one-tenth is the word tithe. And it started with Abraham when Melchizedek, priest of God, came and blessed him. He said, blessed be Abram, blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And the Bible says Abram gave one-tenth of all that he had as a response to the blessing. So the tithe is our response to the blessing. It's the way we honor God. It's the way we honor the blessing. It's the way we honor him saying, thank you, Lord. I am, you have blessed me and I honor you. And I'm not some ungrateful person that forgets. Because what happens when you are ungrateful for his blessing, you come under a curse. And what is the curse? It's the absence of the blessing. And the Lord loves you. He wants to bless you. But he also is our father that needs to be honored. And actually, if you read Malachi 1, he says, if I am a father, where is my honor? If I am the Lord, where is my honor? Because what were they doing? They were bringing him animals that were sick, blind, lame, deaf. The rejects, the ones that they didn't want, they were bringing to the Lord and they were keeping the best for themselves. But you look at the principle of first fruits where Abel brought God the fat portions of the firstborn of his flock and the Lord received and honored and basically accepted Abel and his offering. But then Cain, Bible says, in the course of time, he brought some fruits. He didn't bring the first fruits. He brought the leftovers to the Lord. So you've got to put God first place in your life. So living by the principles of the kingdom of God means that financially God has to be number one. He's got to be item, line item number one in your budget. Before anything goes and anything gets paid, I mean, I am so careful. Like I tell my wife, please do not, you know, when money comes in, do not go pay credit cards until I tithe. Don't pay this. Don't pay some bill. I got to tithe on that first because she'll be over there trying to pay off bills or whatever. I'm like, wait, hold on. I got to tithe. I mean, I'm so like, you know, like tithe, tithe is the first thing that has to go out. First thing that goes out is the tithe. That's why I like Zell. Boom. I mean, it's there in three minutes. I don't wait till Sunday to give, write a check and then I've had, you know, all this other. I mean, I got to tithe first. I mean, I am a stickler for it. I am a stickler. I am a tither, and that's it. And what happened with me when I got saved, I didn't know this stuff. I remember sitting there in the Baptist church, a brass plate would pass before me. They never taught anything. And I said, what is that? They said, well, if you feel like it, give something to the church. I said, well, I feel like it. I gave 20 bucks. I didn't know. And I was still financial. I was in debt. I had all kinds of problems. I, everything would break down. Everything would go wrong. And I'm like, if I'm supposed to be blessed, why is everything going wrong in my life? And then one day I went to another church. Say, somebody say, another church. Thank God for that other church where they preached the word. And the man opened and he started talking about tithing. I tell you what, it was like a bolt of lightning hit me. I mean, it was like the fear of God came on me. I was shaking. I got on my knees in the middle of the surface in the middle of the service and I lifted my hands to the Lord I said Lord I did not know this but from this day forward I am a tither and nothing will ever change that and I became a tither just like I said to my wife I do once and that's it just like I said to Jesus you are my Lord come into my heart once I made a decision I'm a tither and that was it from that day on nobody ever is going to talk me out of it and I'm a stickler for it Man, that's my minimum, of course, tithes and offerings. But you've got to start somewhere. 
And tithe is the minimum. And it's the Lord's portion. It's not yours to keep. And the tithe does not go to Uncle Jack. And Sue, because she needs her rent paid. Or it doesn't go to some missionary in Africa. It doesn't go to uh, the political campaign of your favorite uh, politician. It doesn't go to the Cat and Dog Foundation, American Cancer Society. It goes to the local church where you are fed the Word of God, the storehouse, where you come, where you are planted, where you belong, your family. Because the Bible says if you do not take care of your family first, you're worse than an infidel. So this is our family. The local church is our local family. We take care of the local family first. That is our first and foremost responsibility. If I, as a husband, said to my wife, sorry, honey, I, I, I just can't put food on the table uh, this week because I put food on the table of this other family next door. Um, things are not going to be well with me. Get the couch ready. <laughs> or, I might have to get, sleep in the doghouse. Sorry, honey, I, I just can't put any gas. Well, I don't have it. Sorry. <laughs> gas in your car? Gas free, yes. She's got a Tesla, so she don't use gas. That's what she's telling me. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. I, you can't charge your Tesla because I paid the neighbor's electricity bill, and I didn't pay our electricity bill. No, you got to take care of your own house first. You got to take care of your own family first. And that's the responsibility of the tithe. The tithe financially empowers the local church. The tithe financially empowers the vision of the local house that there may be food in my house or meat actually. And meat meat represents responsibility. You got to chew on meat. Milk is like baby food. Meat is adult food. So meat means you are taking responsibility for building the kingdom of God. And your tithe, which is your minimum, builds the kingdom of God. It is the financial empowerment for the kingdom. And guess what happens? The Lord opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. That sounds, and you know what? Listen, it says windows, by the way. It doesn't say doors. Windows. You got more windows in your house than you have doors, I guarantee you. You got a front door and that's about it. Maybe you have another back door or something, but you got a lot of windows. I'd rather have stuff coming in from windows into every room than the front door. That means blessing is going to come from, and I think I'm going to put a window on the roof too. My Lord. So that it's coming from every direction. And this is important. I have to touch on this. Well, you just read from the Old Testament, though. That's under the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. Well, Abraham was not under the law. He was 400 years before the law. It's a principle. It's not a law. It's a principle. And then if you read in Hebrews, the Bible says Jesus Christ, as our high priest, is in heaven receiving our tithes. So that means the principle of the tithe to honor the Lord remains the same. Because it's not something under the law, it is something that is a principle. It's the principle of honor. It's the principle of acknowledgement of God's blessing. Lord, you have blessed me, 
and therefore I will tithe one-tenth of all that you've given me. I give it back to you. It's not even mine. Take this, please. Can I have my Bible back? Right now. Thank you. I mean, if he took my Bible and left, that would be a problem. Because it's mine. I just let him hold it for a minute. But it's mine, so I'm going to take it back. Don't eat my Bible. Number one thing stolen in churches is Bibles. At least... (laughs) Maybe a lot less now because people have a lot of electronic stuff, but watch out for your iPhone. Got the Bible app on, it might be stolen. If you don't have the Bible app on, maybe it won't be stolen. Just teasing. Come on, say this after me. The tithe is the Lord's portion. It's the way I honor Him. It's my worship to my Lord who blesses me with all blessings. They're going to come upon my life, overflow in my life. So much so that I will not have room enough to receive it. My God, I like that. That you won't have room enough to receive it. That means you're going to have to get more room. Hallelujah. And then final verse today is Psalm 34 and verse 10. Seek the Lord and you shall not lack. Seek the Lord and you shall not lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. So seek the Lord and follow the Lord and follow his instructions. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwbb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.